and live, and here we go. This is down here. Check in connection, and we're live. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope all is well on this lovely Tuesday, and thank you for joining my 148th or 149th, I think 149th episode of the Be Smart Tech Tuesday. So thank you so much for being here. It's a wonderful afternoon. We have a lot of great topics to discuss. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining me in this archiving moment where you get the nice meat and juices from the Tech Tuesday. And if you on the Instagram are not following on, uh, on uh, the beautiful Bixemoto YouTube page, please do. After this, please go on to YouTube, type in Bixemoto, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and boom, you now see some cool stuff, videos, and everything like that. Thank you so much. The EV Marketplace, thank you for joining me this afternoon. Good evening, AJ Thompson from across the pod. BK2 Menace, good afternoon, sir, neighbor. Nighttime in India, courtesy of Vatoli, good seeing you, JCHDB. Greetings, RC Hatha One. Thank you for joining. Gins Kingsway Exotic, good seeing you. Panama City's in the house, courtesy of Cool Cars PTY. And Photo says there's a lot of candy behind me. Yes, there's a Tesla Roadster, you don't see that often, it's still plugged in right here, right there is the plug. Um, there's a center seat that we did for uh, Mattel, Hot Wheels, another red center seat, the first one, the beautiful 935X, there's a slant nose in front, nice cars here. Hello Elijah Rock, good seeing you. Puerto Rico's in the house, courtesy of Jez L. Can we take classes, says Lightning McStig. Absolutely, that's why I'm here, sir. Hello TJ Fuller, hello Estania, good seeing you. Jamaican Josh in the house. Day, courtesy of South Africa, good seeing you. You know it's Omar, hello. You're like a Porsche, waiting for more. Thank you so much, Batoli, I appreciate it indeed. Hello, Alicia Speed, good afternoon. From Minnesota, courtesy of Jacob Volker, 97. Of course, Enthusiast Media, it's me, BC Moto, here in the house. Hello, Grant Williams. Calgary, courtesy of Mispa, good afternoon or good evening, depending where you are. How are you doing, sir? Nissan Love, long time no see. We don't see each other anymore because of the lack of meeting, meets now in Southern California. Um, where's the blue Porsche that DDE did the burnout in? It's right there behind me here. Um, Rod Motorsports, good afternoon to you as well. Hello, Velocity and Racing Red Neighbor. San Diego, courtesy of Lightning McStig. He's there, by the way. Hello, Huber Jonathan. So much love here. I'm thirsty. Paraguay, good seeing you. Winnipeg, Canada. Wow, so much love. Wyoming, Yoshi builds here. Sandman, 97, 95EG, still cab. Hello. What do I think about 964s as Sam People 05? I love them. As a matter of fact, the 964 Porsche 911 is one of my most just prized possessed, or I'd say the best 911 as far as I'm concerned in terms of classic air cooled. It has the 3.6 liter air-cooled engine, which is very nice, right? It has all the modernized, updated setups. You don't have challenges with the with, with cams or with the cam uh, um, tensioners or anything of that nature. A big, good displacement. Nice valve train. Intake manifold has nice uh, induction in terms of having good flow and also harmonic advantages with the flaps. Um, it has it makes it very easy to convert to colon plug if you want to, but it has to do with distributors. But on the outside, it looks classic, right? It has a classic frog eye look. But above and beyond that, it is the most advanced frog eye 911. What do you mean by that? If you've ever driven a, 
an old school G body. The AC is not that great. The heat is not that great. But guess what? In the 964, the AC works. <laughs> the heater works well. You drive it. It doesn't feel like you're driving an old bug. It actually feels like a solid modern car. But you go outside and it has that nice old school bug eye look or frog eye look, which I like, which is pretty cool, you know? So it's good. As Dan says, can we get a peek of your new projects? No, I can't do that. I have one right there. That's why I didn't reverse the camera. I have one right there I'm looking at. And I can't show it because you know me. What I tend to do is I, I build these project cars and boom, it hits the market and it's doing well. Am I from South Af West Africa? Says uh, Dezel Heinrich. Heinrich. Yes, I am. I'm from Nigeria to be exact. Coastal West Africa. Oh, we parse 24. Good afternoon, sir. Panama in the house, courtesy of SK Auto Detail. Okay, let's talk about some cool stuff, guys. So there's something that's near and dear to me. Because as many of you know, I take pride in my tuning prowess. A majority of the tunes that come here for us to address are tunes that come from a lot of other shops where they may do a decent job with the full throttle, but the partial throttle is horrible. So I take my time and spend a good 30, 45 minutes to an hour doing partial throttle tuning because whether you're on or off the track, you spend a lot of time driving partial throttle. You, your cars are not just full throttle cars, right? And even with drag cars, there's this transient response that happens when you shift or when you're doing a burnout that you need advantage of. So it's even important to do partial throttle tuning on drag vehicles. So I do that as well. But there's something going on. There's something happening, friends and family, that is quite disturbing. And what is that? e-tuning or remote tuning, whatever you want to call it. In, as far as I'm concerned, it's an epidemic. And not a good epidemic. It's not one that's spreading like wildfire that's very good, but it's actually, it's almost like it feels like there's some individuals who are taking advantage of you guys, my family, with these e-tunes. Now, what do you mean by that? I'll give you guys a little hint. Let's say you come in with a K-series or a Type R or whatever the case may be. It could be a Porsche 911 and you come to get tuned. There is no way someone can send you logs or you can grab logs and send to a tuner and have them tune it and do a good job. It's just impossible. And why is that? Because you need a dyno to be able to know if your cam control is going the right direction, if your cam degrees, if your cam timing is in the right degree. If you add two degrees of cam timing, how do you see that on a log, on a street log? You can't know if it's going the right direction. How do you know when you optimize ignition timing? Do you go to knock and back off? Most cars don't make the most power at knock or near knock. So how do you do that? Fuel ratios even. Think about it, guys. Not every car wants the same fuel ratio. Let's say we have a boosted 911 versus, let's say, a boosted LS that came in on Sunday. The boosted LS loved, loved 11.3 AFR. But the boosted Porsche 911 loved 11.8 AFR. So how could you tell which car wants the best fuel ratio if you don't have a dyno to quantify what you're doing? So if you have someone who has a street tune, the car is vastly unoptimized. I've had street tune cars come here, and they pick up 40 horsepower. In other words, as far as I'm concerned, a street tune is a glorified base map. That's all it is. Because your e-tuner who many times they've never worked on a dyno or seen a dyno, cannot optimize your ignition timing, cannot optimize your cam timing, and definitely cannot even optimize something as simple as air fuel ratio. You just can't do it. So if someone's happy with a substandard tune, 
by all means, take advantage of it. But it's not ideal at all. It's best for you to go to a reputable local facility that has a proper dyno with a reputable tuner and then have the opportunity to do that. The best thing that someone could do is if you e-tune or remote tune where you have a physical dyno and someone is there real time watching the operator, watching the parameters, being able to get feedback, that's the best. Hello, AJ from Let's Racing. AJ, I meant to talk to you because I do have a solution for you with your track woes. AJ had a challenge where if his car cuts off on the track, he has a hard time starting. I have solved it, AJ. I have a solution for you. Good solution. Thank you, Uptown Autosport. Good seeing you, Putnam Car Group. So guys, please, family, please, 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 stay away from those e-tunes. It's, it's, it's a waste, unless you like, like paying two, three, four hundred dollars for a base map. Don't, it's not worth it. It's a good, a base map is good enough for you to get the car started to make sure you check everything, that you don't have any leaks, any challenges, and then go to a, go to a dyno. And if you have a dyno facility nearby and you don't have a tuner that's flying in or one that's nearby that's good, please, please, please have some kind of remote access where the person can see what's going on and be able to do it. Because that's the only way. If, if you have an idle zero cam angle and you go to 30 cam angle at peak torque and fall off to 20, is that good? We don't know. Let's say I add another two degrees. Am I going the right direction? You don't know. We would take it away. We don't know. You need a dyno to quantify and do the right thing. And your car comes out beautiful with the most power. You can enjoy the car. You can win races. You can have fun on and off the track. It's the best thing to do, guys. You know? Relentless got the MR2 spider running. Yay! Good job, sir. Glad to hear that. Um, Deshaun Carillas asking, what do I feel about butt dyno tuners? Same thing. I have not seen a calibrated buttocks before. I have not seen a calibrated bottom buttocks dino <laughs> mj photograph my over old neighbor says just go to bc um please see multiple of my friends more than satisfied with bc too thank you so much and you know i take pride in my tuning prowess but there are a lot of good tuners out there but the e-tune stuff i really see it as because a part they're taking advantage of, of people they're taking advantage of you even the e-tuners unless they really have no idea what they're doing they know what they're doing they know they're taking advantage they know that they can't optimize. They're looking at logs and looking at fuel trims and just adjusting things to what they think is ideal. They have no clue. You can't optimize. You just can't. So guys, please, you know, please do. Kaisia uh, Onera is asking, how much are your classes, BC? I really want to get involved with car tuning and safety. Unfortunately, I don't have classes. Um, you saw these projects I have around me. And a guy asked, yeah, this is a Tesla Roadster that's next to me here. It is a Tesla Roadster. Tesla Roadster. Tesla Roadster. Um, that we're actually playing with. But um, there are companies out there. There's HP uh, Academy. There's um, one, one I took was uh, EFI 101, courtesy of Ben Strader. I learned that, you know. Um, Prince is asking me, Prince Tylo is asking, will you get a Singer 911? Love from Africa, by the way. So I do know the team from Singer. Um, I don't plan on getting a Singer. I tend to build my own Porsches. I love what they do. Very great attention to detail. Um, we've traded parts. Um, with Singer Corporation, there's even, there's a time they bought almost every Targa glass I had here. So the team, they're, they're good people, but I don't plan on buying a Singer. When I have a car that I want to create, I tend to build my own. And mine are more, you, you know, geared towards high performance, you know? So, Makulu Bass asking, we need a dyno to optimize? Yes, you do. And once again, forgive me for being redundant, but you cannot optimize ignition timing on the road with a log. You just can't. 
So I've heard some people say, oh, the remote tuner, they, they kept adding timing to it got to knock and then they backed off. Most cars, internal combustion engines aren't most efficient near knock. Oh, they just gave me a 12.5 AFR because the car liked it there. I mean, they don't know. They, there's no way of quantifying it. Cam timing, even more important. You can pick up. I remember we did a car for Hoonigan um, here. It was a like a 1JZ boosted car. And everyone said, oh, don't use VVTI. Well, we activated VVTI and picked up almost 200 wheel horsepower in the middle. Yes, using variable cam timing. And how was I able to optimize that? On the dyno. And I knew what cam angles to use to get the power. Without a dyno, I'll be stabbing in the dark. I'd have no idea what's going on, you know, which is sad. Good morning, sleeper versus fish. Clash, good seeing you. How familiar are you with Mitsubishi 4G engines? Quite familiar, Williams. Um, not only is one of my guys here, um, DSM Miggy, a huge advocate of it, but Hyundai, who's one of our great technical partners, have always had legacy engines derived from Mitsubishi partnerships. So you think of the 4G63, um, even the 4B11, a lot of that technology is infused in quite a bit of the Hyundai DNA. So for me to be able to do a good job, for me to do a good job for that manufacturer, I definitely would have to have been very intimate with those engines. So I am, indeed, you know. What's the update on return of Stitch? Vegas will be missing this year, the week of November. Wagon Mike is gonna be tough because I'm seeing Stitch right here through the aperture of the door. But I have too many projects for customers to take care of. And unfortunately, <sighs> customers come first. I'm secondary. I'm here to take care of you guys and the customers that come through the door. I just don't have time for myself. And I have all these conversions to do and all these projects to take care of and customers. I have two 991s here. I have a Caterham. I have a, you know, what's that? That's a, uh, it's 1972 Porsche 911. And I have a, a, a EG Civic right there. And I have a Cayman and a Boxster. And another Boxster get dropped up today. It's, it's pretty crazy. I'm pretty busy. So my stuff is, is very, very small, you know? Jay Daytalk is asking, hey, BC, I was just thinking about taking some HP Academy to add tuning to my arsenal of skills. I also look into EFI 101. You won't regret it. It's, it's very good to know. I like those guys a lot, you know? What's the fastest car I have? Believe it or not, you may think I'm crazy, and I'm, just saying, I'm not just saying this because it's one of my latest builds, but believe it or not, the EV Porsche, the K3V, is the, the, the quickest thing I've ever, the torque is just, is just ridiculous. My 0-60 to 60 is 206. I think the only thing that's close to that is my insight fully slicked down. But as a streetcar, that is the fastest car I have here, you know? Um, before that, it was the blue 911, which scared everyone who drove it, you know? We appreciate that, says Wagon Mike. Can't wait to make a trip down SoCal. I'd love to see you down here, sir. Greece is in the house, courtesy of Starbucks MK7. Good seeing you indeed. EVs the future says deed, deed four days. You're correct, sir. Whether we like it or not, technology will keep advancing, you know. Project Targa, is the new AM Infiniti ECU versus Series 2 worth the price difference for the 3.0 Porsche 911? Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. Project Targa, as I take a sip of this. Beautiful boss water. Anyway, they're not even sporting. I just, I just like boss water. So, <sighs> the question was, is it worth it updating from a Series 2 to Infinity? And the answer is yes, it is. Yes, it is. Think about it. Not only is, Series 2 is a very stable platform. Don't get me wrong. I love Series 2. It's great. 
But the Infinity is by far not only a fast processor of 400 MIPS, but above and beyond that, the Infinities have built-in wideband controllers, and it allows me the capability of doing tons more fail-safes in addition to drive-by-wire control. So I can actually make a safer, faster car with Infinity versus the Series 2, believe it or not. With the Series 2, I can do flex fuel. I can do that also with, this, with Infinity. And the price is not so bad. By the time you get a Series 2 and add the wide band that you have to use and wire that in, and then try and take time to put in fail-safes that may be a little workaround that the Infinity has right out the gate, by all means, the Infinity is definitely worth it. The architecture is much nicer as well, splash resilient, which you don't see with the Series 2. Very much smaller footprint as well, which you don't see with Series 2. The capability for dead logging is absolutely amazing as well, which you don't see with Series 2. Um, I'm a huge advocate of drive-by-wire, so even in air-cooled vehicles, I add drive-by-wire to it. I have my blue Porsche right there as drive-by-wire on our fun stuff. So it is, it is a much better platform. And when it comes to fail-safes, I can do everything from um, oil pressure fail-safes to boost cup fail-safes to fail-safes based upon knock per cylinder. I have the capability of doing fail-safes based upon fuel pressure. I have the capability of doing fail-safes based upon running lean or too rich. I can do fail-safes in terms of um, idle control. I can do fail-safes in terms of um, um, control of drive-by-wire. Uh, it's just, and, the, and the, the, the protocol in terms of track control is just amazing. It's just a better ECU, by far, you know? And a flat six thing, how much natural aspirated horsepower can you get out of the M97 motor reliably? So it depends. This is a track car or a street car. In a street car, you can do quite a bit because you know the M97 head flows very, very nicely. Now, would it be far-fetched, really, would it be far-fetched to easily get 75 horsepower per cylinder? I wouldn't think so. It wouldn't be far-fetched to do that. 50 is definitely easy, right? But it wouldn't be far-fetched at all to do 75 per cylinder. So you can. If it's a full track car, you can push that to over 100 horsepower per cylinder. I'm talking about wheel horsepower, by the way. It depends on your wallet. <laughs> Enjoy your day as well, Des Heinrich46. Good seeing you. Federico Cosilardo. Sorry, I hope I didn't mess up your name. Hi to you as well. Uh, better, less personal, says Contractor Ruckus. How do you like tuning SIP Type R's? I think they're very good. The SIP Type R's really pose a very nice balancing act when tuning them. So Honda really did a good job with that setup, did a clever job even more with the Bosch ECU and locking us tuners out of it. But with help of people like K-Tuner and Honda, we now have access. And for those of you who really have deep pockets, you can definitely put a Motec and have all the fun you want. But the biggest challenge with the Civic Type R, CTR, in the 10th gen application is the fueling system. So I get people who write to me all the time and they say, oh, BC, I want to make 380, 390, or 400 horsepower to the wheels on my stock Type R with petrol. Well, the challenge with gasoline for that engine is the fuel system is limiting, being direct injection and they just have limitations. So when you start getting to 100% duty, the ECU automatically starts pulling back boost to keep the engine safe. Very nice fuel safe, right? There's one way around it, which is a nice way. Some companies make, like Dream, they have these additional injectors that you can run and control with port injection, adding that to the direct injection. But Honda makes this fuel upgrade kit, which is pretty nice. We had a customer come here not too long ago, courtesy of the guys from uh, Art of Attack, and not only did I make 408, almost 410 wheel horsepower, and more than 400 pounds for the torque, I was barely at 80% duty, so I still had a little bit more to go, a little bit margin to go. Now, the challenge is with the Type R motor is the connecting rods are quite weak, so 
when building that boost tuners, you don't want to bring that boost on abruptly because it can bend the rods. Now, of course, if you have the capability of upgrading the rods and pistons, you can make 600 horsepower with that, no problem. So, rule of thumb that I have seen here, on average, I've seen customers come in with stock setups, stock fuel system and all that stuff with bolt-ons, make anywhere from, you know, 340, 330, 340, 350, 360-ish. And then on E30 to E50, can make a little bit more. And definitely with the upgraded kit, surpass the 400 wheel mark, you know? Landshark from New York City. Blessings to you as well, sir. Thank you for joining me on this Tech Tuesday. I appreciate that. For those on YouTube, thank you for joining as well. So I really appreciate all you guys, by all means. And I appreciate you joining me on this, on this lovely Tech Tuesday. And there's something else I want to mention. So I talked about um, e-tuning and how that's not the best, right? How you cannot optimize ignition timing. You cannot optimize cam timing. You cannot even optimize something as simple as fuel ratio. You need a dynamometer to be able to quantify and validate things. Well, on a separate note, suspension. And I'm guilty of that too, right? But I learned a lot being a road racer. So I don't know if AJ's still here. He taught me a lot on how to race and how to become a faster road racer. I used to just throw power at cars, power at cars, and ignore my suspension. But guys, suspension tuning is so critical. It doesn't make sense that you're getting an S2000, making tons of power, and getting stock suspension. It doesn't make sense in you getting one of J-Duck's turbo kits for the 997, and putting on stock suspension because you have all this power you need to stay safe on and off the track and to do that you need a suspension that can help keep adhesion to the road to keep you fast and safe so i tend to use a lot of components from ibog a lot of components from kw the ibog components i do a lot of sway bars from them the coilovers i do everything from v3s to to like the, the i mean it's just club sports as well for kw's amazing suspension could completely change the look of my car and the feel and the drivability and safety and something even crazier on the center seat over there better yet on my cayman that's right there on the left i had some standard um like 1552 um aluminum wheels and set up my kw in such a way and then when i went to carbon fiber wheels just in switching wheels because it's much lightweight my suspension was completely different so i had to change my dampening settings as well so being able to Tune your suspension to the power levels and drivability of your car is very important, even on drag cars. So you notice on, on Stitch, I have a very soft rear suspension with a wheelie bar to allow me to contact the wheelie bar and prevent weight transfer. My front also has very hard rebound so that the nose doesn't have ease to lift up. And then my front alignment, I use chewers quite a bit, is slightly towed in. So when I launch and it comes up just a bit, my front wheels kind of line up and go straight. So that prevents scrub, allows me to have a better 60 foot, allows me to get faster down the track. So it's amazing, you know? What's the max horsepower 987 stock bottom end can hold? So with a proper tune, because you can destroy an engine with a bad tune, but a proper tune, j Dog, right? We've done 987s, 997s to 480. So yes, 480 horsepower with a proper tune is possible reliably. Anything above that, you're playing with fire. Because <laughs> the first thing you'll go is probably the raw boats or ringlands. You know? Oh, oh, you can, you know, crack your cylinder. Ask me how I know. BZ, could you talk about cam position sensors and trigger wheels, 60 minus 2 or 30 minus 1, simultaneous versus sequential injection? Yes, I can. So, let's talk about batch versus sequential. Let's talk about 60 minus 2 and 30 minus 1. Let's talk about 4. <laughs> so, what I have noticed, guys, and it's been great, is having more crank teeth allows for better resolution. 
Now, why is that important? When you have high RPM, you want to be able to time your ignition and fueling very accurately to have a reliable, powerful setup. And it's more critical as you go up higher in power and higher in RPM ranges. So if you had a choice between a 30 minus one or a 12 tooth wheel, or a 60 minus two in the crank, you go 60 minus two. And OEMs tend to use that now because it's not only for power, but it does great for efficiency as well, to be able to get proper fueling and fuel economy. So Honda even went from a 12 wheel, 24 wheel, to even now a 60 minus two on the Fit, on the J series, on the Type R, on the K. It's all there now. Batch injection is what you may see in that 1982 Porsche 911 over there. Now, the red one right here next to it is now sequential. Batch is an opportunity where it fires twice per ignition cycle. So in other words, your injector cell spring right before the valve opens, it sprays twice. Much easier to control by an OEM, much easier to control, cheaper electronics to be able to do, and that's why it was prominent back in the day. A result of that is that, yeah, you consume a lot more fuel and it's not as crisp, but when you convert your car from batch to sequential, ooh, it's a whole different animal. The rev responses like that crisp. Your fuel economy is better on and off the track. You have the ability to have better transient response. A car just sounds better, breathes better. You have the ability to really, to really tailor as a tuner. You can tailor your sequential injection moment to happen right before the exhaust. The intake valve opens up right before that happens. It's, it's amazing. It's just converts your car completely. So, whenever I can, on the crank wheel, I try and use as many teeth as possible, which was commercially available in a lot of OEMs and aftermarket ECU systems on board, is 60 minus two. And at least have one tooth cam, uh, mostly hull hull, because the hull has the ability to pick up immediate movement. While with a mag or electro wheel, you kind of have to see some movement in the energizers. So that being said, that's what I like. The advantages, Better resolution, better power, better you know, uh, fuel economy, better drivability, crispness, star response, and it's just absolutely fantastic. I wouldn't think otherwise. Some setups may have um, uh, no cam, and if you have no cam, you have no way of determining TDC, so you have to run batch with just a crank wheel, and once again, you get all those, all the advantages of sequential goes out the window, so even when we have Formula SAE guys come here with the motorcycle motors and they, they set a batch, I, I encourage them and they see success and power on a dyno going to a sequential. And it's much better. And they can play around with injection timing and all that fun stuff. And it's just, it's just absolutely, you know, the phasing of injectors is actually fantastic indeed. You know? We still able to work on a 1990 Wagovan? Absolutely. Time progressing, you know. Um, White Tiger is asking, what's my first car? So first car I ever drove was a Peugeot 504 in my parents' compound back home in Nigeria. That's the first car I actually didn't have a proper driving school or lessons. I used to watch our drivers drive and use the opportunity to learn and I started practicing our compound. We have a pretty large compound back home. The first car I ever owned, and is drawn here? No, he's not. That's good. Because he would laugh at me again. If I say, every time I say this, he laughs at me. Was a 200SX, believe it or not. Yep, a 200SX. That's the first car I ever drove. The first car I ever raced was my 1988 Honda CRX, which is blue. It's the reason why I love blue so much. Josh Wonderbread has a great question. He's asking, BC, best transmission for D-Series? Ooh, I have a good answer for you. A good answer for him. I have a good answer for him. 
the gearbox out of the 86 to 89 Acura Integra. I mean it. Oh, Duran is here. He's laughing at me. Oh, no. Dream Automotive, I just talked about you with your Type R fuel system. Okay, anyway, as Duran's laughing at me because I said Nissan Tuna SX was my first car. Anyway, best gearbox is the D16A6. No, D16A1, sorry. Twin cam motor, but the gearbox bolts on to a D-series, whether it's a Z6, A6, Y8, Y7, whatever the case may be, even D15s. It's the first-gen Acura Integra 86 to 89 model year. Why? Not only is that gearbox robust because it has a built-in cuff. You know how in B-series guys, they tend to drag race and they, they get rid of the fifth gear and they put this cuff in between and allows the gears not to come apart and shred? Guess what? It has the cuff built into the gearbox already, in between fourth and fifth gear. And if you're really clever, you can change the fifth gear by just taking bolts off and swapping out right there and then. But that gearbox is so robust. That's the gearbox I use in my Insight, my CRX, to break records and to run low nines all day on drag slicks and so on and so forth. And then the forks, you know what really plagues D-series gearboxes is the, the aluminum shift forks. Because when you have very speeded driving, sometimes you can get really overzealous and break them. Well, guess what? Just like the B-series, the D16A1 gearbox has steel forks. Man, it's amazing. Okay, Nissan Love asks, do I have braking oil for Corvair? Yes, I do sell them. As you know, I'm an advocate of Purell. And they have SAE 30, SAE 40. I think you use SAE 40 on that. And I have uh, quite a bit in stock. So give us a call. We'll give you a smashing deal on those, you know? Johnny Boy's asking, what's the next platform you'll be building? I have two in-house, my own personal cars, passion projects. I have two vehicles I'm building this year that are both Porsche-based. Uh, one is a petrol vehicle and the other is an electric. Not the one I already did, but next one, you know. Make the insights great again, says ITB Kevin. And Kevin, you'd be probably very proud because Saul did bring his LS-powered um, 1972-240Z here this weekend and that LS made some good power. I was shocked because of the simplicity of his setup and the horsepower was ridiculous and I'll just give you a hint, his torque was 640 pound foot of torque on a stock motor. 640, I'm scared for the guy and him driving the car. 640 pound foot of torque and it happened like a four grand or something like that. It was ridiculous, Kevin. You never educated me how potent these LSs are. It's, I was pretty impressed, you know? Yeah, was it 280Z? I thought it was a 240. But um, that thing was, it was pretty potent. It's, 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 I'm scared. I, I don't know if he'll be able to drive that car or handle it. Even when I tried to turn down the power, it made like 500 something horsepower. It's crazy. That's turned down. It's crazy. My pleasure, Nissan Love. I'm so thirsty today. It's, it's kind of warm here. Um, hi, we're in the office. Can we stop by? We have actually quite a few meetings here, and we're actually practicing um, being very safe here. So, Johnny, I, I promise you when things kind of slow down, let, let's, let's do that, let's, by all means, yeah? BC, can I add H2O2 hydrogen peroxide to my fuel to get more oxygen into it? I heard some stories about it. Um, not very stable. So the one thing about um, <laughs> hydrogen peroxide, it tends to revert to get to water very quickly. So there are other agents that are more stable in a fuel that can allow you to do that. There are other oxygenates you could do. 
Um, I wouldn't add hydrogen peroxide. It just is not as stable, especially when you combine it to, with gasoline, you know? DM Motorsports, oh, the LS talk is always in that building. Yep, I'm sure. <laughs> can you send me battery modules for electric burnout go-kart? Yes, I can, Angel Angus. Send me an email, sales at bcmo.com, and I can whip something out for me. Just let me know what your voltage requirements are, and we get something that's either power or energy dense for you. No problem whatsoever. Any issues with the auto score in M97 motor that could cause auto starvation in half of the bank? Not to my knowledge. What I do know that can cause challenges in the M97 and A56 is the pickup. So what I do, and JDoc, if you're still here, you can attest to this as well, is I do tend to use a very deep sump setup. And with that deep sump, it allows me to put not only two more cores of oil, if not more, it allows me to really sit that pickup in a back of oil, in bath of oil. And I've tested this myself. I've tracked that vehicle right there, the red center seat, as she's a widow, and at a very tight bank, I can see my oil pressure fall down and come back up. But after using a deep sum kit, it stays up. So it's not the oil squatters, it's the pickup. And what happens is when you hit a certain bank, when you turn hard right, the oil tends to pull to the side, and then now that pickup sucks up air, which is damaging. And if you don't have a good oil like Purell to come to save the day, there's a big chance that you'll start chucking bearings and spinning and a lot of stuff, which is not good, you know? The Urge one is not a Lotus, Kevin. Stop being a difficult person. This is actually a Tesla Roadster. Okay, to some extent, it's a Lotus glider setup that Elon Musk purchased about 3,000 units to convert to his very first commercially available vehicle. But as a chassis, as a VIN, it is a Tesla right here next to me. Hello, Falcon Lugger, Zach. Good seeing you. I think I owe you something, don't I? You know? What's the weakness of the bottom end of the K24Z7? I would say the balance shaft setup. That balance shaft, oil, large thing on the bottom of it, um, tends not to do very well with high RPM activity. So what we tend to do is when we ever build a stock setup or a build setup, we get rid of that and we go with a uh, Type S uh, oil pickup and with some small components from PRL to make it nice and stable. And then after that is the rod bolts. <laughs> so those tend to, you know, take flight if you do something very bad or if you don't tune it very well. Followed by ring lens, which is pretty interesting, you know? That's like saying a Lincoln isn't a Ford. Ha, 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 ha. Well, guess what? The difference between a Lincoln and a Ford may just be the name, but the Lincoln has a Ford engine and has the Ford drivetrain and the Ford transaxles and all that stuff. At least this one is literally a body with some bespoke components to allow for use of cooling, electric motors, and so on and so forth, but it has its own tail lights, has Tesla, you know, I would say Tesla. Tesla componentry, um, some very interesting batteries, and Borg Warner, yes, Borg Warner Motors. And for those of you who don't know, Borg Warner doesn't just make turbocharged applications, they actually have electric motors too. Crazy, right? Which are the Hondas that mostly use a D-Series engine, says Uyo Parse, um, the CRX, the Civics, you know, anything that was pretty much earlier than the EK, tend to use those, um, EK earlier. So yeah, you can even go as far back as um, the EW1, had a it was almost a derivative of that. What's the weakness for the D16A1? The valve train. Um, from what I've seen, the camshafts sit on this weird rocker assembly that's very close to or akin to an LS. And if you get really excited with the RPM, you'll spit it right out. So it's not very good. Yeah, Jay Pizzle, Borg Warner Motors indeed, you know. 
Is there any YouTuber you like to watch that's Rod Motorsports? Not really. I'm not really a television. Kevin, you know this about me. I'm not really a television YouTuber guy. Um, I would look at YouTube if I was looking at something interesting. Um, especially in the whole EV space. I like some of the technology stuff that's out there from the OEMs. And um, if there are movies coming out, I can watch previews. But I'm not really a big YouTube guy. I don't, there's not one I follow. Now, I, I do know YouTubers like, you know, Miguel DSM and um, the guy from DDE. So how I knew them, I watched them first. And they, I, was, I like what Damon and his team are doing as well. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm not, I don't really watch them. Hello, JDM for lifey. Good seeing you. Nma. Uh, Maratidis saying, any other electric Porsche projects? Yes, so um, I'm building an in-house one this year, which is going to be ridiculous, by the way. So I'm building one for myself, and for clients, I have two. So I have two cars here for clients that are Porsches, and I have one that I'm doing myself. Um, <laughs> Kevin is saying, not at all. Do you know how long it took me to get him to watch a YouTube video? <laughs> Corvold, welcome, sir. Good seeing you. And I'm about to sign off. Shame on you, but... You didn't miss much, so Koval, just to give you a bit of a, because Koval is a great guy, great engineer up north, just to give you a little recap, I talked about e-tuning, which a lot of, is becoming a bit of a, an epidemic in this full compact world, where people are paying tuners um, decent amount of money to get a tune based upon logs driving around the street. And I talked to them about how that's um, not a very good way to tune. It's not optimized at all. You can optimize fuel ratios even. You can optimize ignition timing, let alone cam control. So it's almost like people are taking advantage of clients by giving them glorified base maps. Then I talked about suspension, how it's very important to modify a car and also modify suspension to be able to handle the power to give you better adhesion and safety on and off the track. And then we dabbled a little bit with some other items as well. I'm um, talking about tuning and classes to go, and what you can get from HPA Academy or from EFI 101. And we talk about the best D-series gearboxes and what projects I have coming out, all that fun stuff, you know? Do you read books for fun apart from research stuff? Not really, Eva Moves. Um, every day I tend to just read and read and read because I want to go to bed waking up, you know, go to bed better than I woke up that morning. So I constantly want to read, you know? Kevin said himself, eat to no thanks. Um, I don't read for fun at all. I tend to read books that have to do with technology a lot. I agree, BZ. I tell my friends about that, but some don't listen. That's okay, JDM for lifey. Um, if your friends are comfortable with substandard tunes, then that, maybe that's for them. If they're comfortable paying someone two, three, four, five hundred $500 for a base map, that is fine. But you cannot optimize. I've had cars where someone finally comes here, like, you know, this e-tune, I don't trust it. BC, could you baseline my baseline them and then we tune the car, natural spray, they pick up 40 horsepower. Let alone boost it. So you just can't. A lot of those guys would take a Honda base map and just add two degrees of timing. Say, here you go, e tuned. Or they have them drive away and they'll adjust their short term trims in closed loop. Here you go. Without touching cam control, if they do, they're guessing. You're not supposed to guess with tuning, guys. You cannot guess. You need to validate and optimize it on the dynamometer. That's why the dyno's there. It's, it's like, it's like you're trying to work out in the gym and you don't even know what weight you're using on each hand. It's like you're just blindly putting on plates and you don't even know what size, weight. you have no idea. You're just, okay, I guess I'm working out. Well, think of that. That's, that's pretty much the same, you know? But it sucks hours of work just for a crappy tune to dirty insides up. You're right. You, you need to have a proper tune. Hello, Import Works. Great guy. Like seeing you guys here. 
Because I have a crackle tune on my MK 7.5 GLA. That's not so bad. I mean, crackle tunes are something that OEMs even do. Um, believe it or not, the Velocity N comes with that stock. So it depends on the severity, but it, it is kind of a little hard on exhaust valves, but it's not that bad. A crackle tune is not bad. I'm talking about people who are going, it's like, hey, I have this intake header exhaust. I have this race math. I want to tune it. Can you please tune? And I've seen just horrible things from people who are not tuners. They don't even have a dyno or have even seen a dyno. And they're claiming, they're very prominent on forums and, and on, believe it or not, on Facebook, which is scary. Guys, that's scary. And they're sharing maps and, oh my God, poor cars. If you feel that your car feels great with an e-tune, wait till you do a proper tune. You can just urinate on yourself. You're like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know? Jack Oliver is asking, hey, BC Moto, have you ever done a BMW E21 swap? No, I have not had the honor and privilege of doing that, you know? What education would you recommend for an aspiring tuner, says Ratty Daddy Skateboard? Well, I took EFI 101. First of all, I got into tuning because people were blowing up my engines. <laughs> so I had my CRX, which was carbureted, and I was tuning, you know, taking it to tuners, and they were blowing it up. I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm an engineering student. How hard could this be? And I started reading and figuring things out myself. And um, you're right. EU misinformation, absolutely. Yes, they urinate themselves. Um, and I started playing around with my own car and learning and learning. And then when I was doing well, I even went to, to classes from EFI 101 and even augmented my tuning. And then AEM used to have tuning classes. I even went to there, and Mitch Peterson helped me with that as well. So, yeah. And nowadays you have access to YouTube, so you can find some places with HP Academy to do some great stuff. Ah, you can not. You know, Paracord, eh? Now, DCK, I hope all is well for you over there. Yeah, he said Paracord, and I said Paracord because I'm, I'm, I'm a Niger boy. <laughs> oh my God. I drove a GT3 RS for the first time not that long ago. Crazy car. Yes, you know, GT3 is an amazing vehicle because it's like, it's Porsche's to race car for the street. It's like a, for your Honda heads, it's like a S2000 CR for the street, but crazier. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, guys, it's a slice of heaven. Thank you so much for joining me on this great Tech Tuesday. I appreciate you. And all of you also listen to me on YouTube as well. And for those of you here, I have it on all the podcasting networks. I have it on Anchor. I have it up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Just search for BC Moto, and it's there. And I'll have it up here on Instagram as well for a while. But definitely the nice edited, clean meat and potatoes will be on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed, leave here now. Go to YouTube, type in Bisumoto, hit on that subscribe button. And not only we get this, you get some really cool stuff. All behind the scenes, tuning and projects and madness and testing and all that fun stuff and races in Mexico. Anyway, guys, I love all of you. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Hope all is well. Stay safe and see you next week. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye.